Okay, we're we're back. <laughs> good to see you. Yeah, good to be here. It's been a while. Happy New Year. Yeah, same to you. <laughs> crazy times, right? Just not, not getting any less crazy. No. Yeah. No. We'll see yeah. what this year has to hold for us. <laughs> and we were both sort of talking about family and stressors. I don't know if mm -hmm. you noticed on some of the other uh, podcasts, the posts I had, it was all about holiday stress and family. And I have to listen in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we were going to talk about supplements today. Mm -hmm. um, so is there a way that you can, if you, if your diet, can you get everything that you need as far as vitamins and minerals and all that stuff? From your diet if you eat like this perfect way is well, that possible um i have to say my mind has really shifted with that topic yeah. um ask me maybe a decade ago i would have said yes mm -hmm. i would have said yeah absolutely you know you don't need supplements if you have a really good whole foods diet um my mind has really shifted in that the more that i've learned about um farming practices the more that i've learned about mm. you know the state of our soil um everything else that goes into our ability to actually absorb and digest the foods that we're eating so I've, i'm at the place right now where i feel um in an ideal world if we weren't really damaging the soil as we are today with you know endless fertilizers and chemicals and Crazy. um really you know damaging that topsoil especially you know um which is really m making a really n detrimental effect on the the nutrient content in our foods i mean the foods that we have right now they, they've actually done tests um compared to say a few decades ago and the the level of nutrients in say an apple or a you know a carrot or a potato or um broccoli is much lower even in organic produce than even in organic even too. in organic produce yeah because um, I, I imagine you eat all organic right as much as possible as much as possible we yeah. do have a small garden uh community plot and uh try and grow as much as we can from yeah. there but um sometimes you know you, you don't really have much of an option to go to the grocery store and buy some produce um and there's and there's certain ones that you should always like get the organic like potatoes yeah like yeah the, the, the farmers who grow potatoes in a non-organic way they won't eat them yeah the that should tell you something <laughs> yeah i always follow the environmental I, I think they're called the environmental working group and they put out a list every year of the 10 uh 10 foods that you should always eat organic and then the 10 foods that are, are generally low in pesticide uh content and so those are you know not so critical in terms of choosing organic and those are the ones i always look at every year just to which, which ones sort of um, pop to mind so the ones that i that we always buy organic are things like celery um in the summer grapes because mm. they're very very highly sprayed um right, especially right. most of them that we're getting here come from you know chile my own country and <laughs> and they're uh the most top like the most heavily sprayed and and uh, tomatoes are the ones that you know if you're going to eat tomatoes really good to always have them organic if possible yeah. um but those are you know things that ones that you don't really need to worry too much about are more like uh, root vegetables um potatoes um onions uh garlic things like that which we don't really worry too much about or squash which mm. have a really thick layer the thick coating um but definitely ones like celery we always try and buy uh, organic and broccoli, you know, more of the greens, um, and the leafy greens, um, always organic, but yeah, those are always. the, again, those are the ones that we usually grow. Anyways. You know, you don't need to eat broccoli 
Did you know that? Don't need to eat broccoli. <laughs> Don't need to eat broccoli. Since we're talking about supplements here, yeah. let me see. Got my little bag here. Yeah, so there's something in here. It's called broccoli sprouts extract. Aha. Uh -huh. And what you get in there is like, I don't know, five or ten times more than you need that you would get from mm. eating a whole bunch of broccoli. Sulforaphane. Yeah, I've I've used this in my practice. Yeah. Um, not as a substitute for broccoli, for sure. Um, but in terms of the benefits of sulforaphane, which is one of the main chemical components in broccoli. That makes it um, anti-cancer. Yeah, it's actually in broccoli itself in its whole food form. Um, there's very little sulforaphane. Um, so even people who are sensitive to sulfur, and you know, you get that in some people who have gut issues, mm -hmm. um, sensitive to sulfur, they have detox pathways that are not entirely... Um, optimal they can have issues with sulfur-based foods like onions and garlic and right. um, things like that and broccoli and cruciferous vegetables um, so even th they can't you know eat they have issues with you know they would probably have issues taking something like this but in broccoli itself there's very little uh, sulforaphane so this has been obviously extracted from oh, right. in in higher quantities than you would see in its whole food form. The benefits of sulforaphane are amazing. Um, very antioxidant, very, um, really, really good for the gut. It's actually uh, one of, part of the protocol that I use. Um, I don't use a lot of protocols in my practice, but it's one of the protocols that I use um, for tackling H. pylori overgrowth, which is a, a, a bug uh, that mm. overgrows in the stomach in some people which can cause a lot of inflammation, can lead to something like ulcers, uh, even stomach cancer in some people. Mm. Um, so it's it's a pretty uh, a, a pretty resilient bug. Most of us have and that, it. that works really well. This is part of the protocol that I use towards it because it actually helps, helps in a small way to uh, tackle that overgrowth, like to kill the overgrowth of the bug. But it also... One of the benefits is it helps to nourish that mucosal lining in the stomach lining. Mm, so okay. if you're somebody who is susceptible to ulcers, um, it could possibly be because that mucus lining in the stomach has been damaged to some extent uh, for various reasons. It could be an overuse of pharmaceutical drugs, which mm. can damage that stomach lining. It could be from the food you're eating. It could be from um, acid coming in, you know, uh, too much acid which is not very common. It's usually the opposite where you have too little stomach acid. I see. Um, but definitely something like H. pylori overgrowth can lead to uh, a decreased mucus lining in the stomach, which can lead to real um, damage from the acid that's still being produced in the stomach. Wow. Um, so sulforaphane has been shown to be really effective for that. I just always wonder, why does broccoli, so many people just do not like the taste. And I've tried yeah. <laughs> so many times. And I just end up just eating the smallest little uh, piece. Ah. You know, or they smother it in cheese or something. Yeah, like, yeah, I do think a lot, it could be, and there's something that, you know, I really encourage you to uh, experiment with because, you know, it's it's similar to my dislike of something like cauliflower, which I had for many years. Don't like it either. Yeah. Which I thought, oh, that's just gross, and I would never eat that. But I actually realized, cooked the right way with the right spices, with the right sauce, you know, um, <laughs> additions and that. <laughs> it's actually uh, it's one of my favorites now. Oh really? Um, okay. Yeah. It's not as bad as broccoli. The taste, I think, but. 
Yeah, and it, you know, like anything, it's an acquired taste, and people, some yeah. people just don't like it, and that's okay. You but, know, but, but, you know, like everything is cauliflower now. Like you go to the snack aisle, you go to the the frozen pizza aisle. Yeah, it's all cauliflower chips and crust, and it's like cauliflower rice. Yeah, you know, I, I feel like I almost went in. I was gonna put a little sticky on in the pizza there. I said, yeah, this is not pizza. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but what's going to happen if everything becomes cauliflower they're going to run out of cauliflower yeah well you know you found that with the celery um <laughs> when this whole celery juice craze happened a few years back because there was a an author um not really a practitioner in essence uh technically an uh an author mm -hmm. um but he came out with a, a whole book on the benefits of certain things but you're really stressing the whole celery juice benefit and so from what i'm hearing from talking to folks that who work at the local health food stores is people their their celery is just flying off the shelves still because people are wow. still buying it like crazy and juicing with it every day and you know so you you got to be careful what kind of what kind of you know, uh good news you put out there because it, you yeah. know everything starts getting bought up and then all of a sudden you have a you know a deficit of this and the same thing happened with quinoa when there was a big quinoa right, craze yeah. and That's everybody kind of started down. buying out quinoa <laughs> i have celery powder which i add to my green mix oh yeah so i have friends who are uh they're musicians like me and they're a little older and they both have arthritis and they said that it really hurts their playing and they mm. tried everything but celery uh, really mm. helped a little bit so like, okay, interesting try that. yeah yeah okay so good you don't need to eat broccoli is what you're saying <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I said that, but uh, I would encourage it just because it is such a nutritious food. Uh, you're just uh, putting a pocket of big, big broccoli. <laughs> I love broccoli. <laughs> Here's another one. This is, uh, you know. Curcumin. Yeah. Yeah. So that is um, uh, like curry, right? Or the. Um, yeah, it's the active ingredient in turmeric. Turmeric, yeah, that's what I'm going to say. Yeah, so really effective for. Um, inflammation and people a lot of people know that it's really it's been mm -hmm. in the news a lot mm -hmm. and so they think well I'm gonna have Indian food once a week and that mm -hmm. should do it but you need like five grams a day you need a good amount yeah. if you're actually using it there if you want to use it therapeutically mm -hmm. which is why they have supplements because yeah. when you have supplements it extracts that active ingredient and then concentrates it into a capsule. So mm -hmm. very, very different than having it in a food-based form. Totally, yeah. Um, which is why I'm really careful with supplements in general. Yeah, same um, here. I know. don't look at them as substitutes for anything. It's mm -hmm. really, you have to treat them as medicines, and that's what they are. They're, they're, you, when you take them into your body, they're in a, not in a not in the in the way that your body would naturally receive them. Right. So they're much more in a higher concentration. They're much more. Um, uh, it's very different, and so the body will will react to it differently than it would in a food-based form. So with somebody who I've worked with many people who are very sensitive to supplements or sensitive to certain ingredients or sensitive to certain foods even. Mm -hmm. With those people, I would rather just not do supplements at all because you can have such an adverse reaction because you're getting such a concentrated form. Yeah, and you wouldn't want to take these every day, right? I mean, um, I don't think any supplement is a good idea to take. Yeah too long mm -hmm. in a continuous basis i Maybe think a it's... Couple, i usually do sort of a couple days in a row with one yeah yeah, yeah. but that stuff works really really good i notice a difference with that one yeah this is good um again it's not a substitute and, yeah. and again we also have to look at what is the supplement actually doing in the body mm. and how is it serving our body 
And is it temporarily, you know, this is a big debate that's, you know, that, that, you know, we're having in our, uh, in our mentorship classes that I've been involved in for the last few years, but we've discussed this topic, you know, in terms of, you know, how necessary are supplements and what supplements, if they are necessary, uh, what function are they performing in the body? Mm -hmm. And can we function without them? Because really, if we think about it, just like pharmaceutical drugs, our bodies uh, are not suffering because of a deficiency of supplements and they're not suffering because of a deficiency of drugs. Right. You know, they're suffering because there's something else deeper happening that's preventing um, something from, you know, some some function in the body from performing properly. And a lot of this is sort of age-related too. Like these mm -hmm. are things like inflammation and stuff that comes up later mm -hmm. in life a lot for, for many people. Yeah, and I yeah. mean, inflammation can be due to a variety of reasons. Um, I think the age-related thing is has been overused, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people like to use that phrase, oh, well, it comes with age. Oh, well, I'm feeling this way because it's just part of aging. Right. Um, I, I have a real issue with that statement just because I don't think aging... I don't think certain symptoms is a given just because you're at a certain age. I think when you're actually experiencing symptoms tends to be um, as the older you get, all of a sudden you start having these symptoms crop up. And it's not that all of a sudden it's because you turn 50 that just comes with the territory. It's more related, in my opinion, to years and years and years of the same habits. Mm -hmm. It go. takes a while for the body to... Um, to develop a tolerance to things. So when you're younger, you can get away with a lot more. Yeah, you and can we know really that. abuse the body. Yeah. <laughs> because the body has a more of a bounce back, a more resiliency. It's able to bounce back. It's got more resources. Mm -hmm. It hasn't been exposed to too much in terms of toxins and chemicals and stressors uh, yet. By the time you're like 50, your body has been through a lot for most of us. Um, it's been through a, a lot of exposure. And so it's developed... It's gotten to a place where, you know, the body can tolerate only so much. And at some point, it's it, it, it says, okay, enough is enough. And it stops being able to take care of you as it has for the last 50 years. And when you hit 52, mm -hmm. I mean, people didn't really live that long, even right. 100 years ago. Right. 65 was, was pretty old. Right, yeah. right. But uh, but it also has to do with, you know, certain metabolic processes also slow down. Mm -hmm. You know, your your metabolism in general, you know, naturally slows down. Now, that's one thing that does naturally happen as you get older. Yeah. Um, your muscle mass starts to decrease by a certain percentage uh, as the years go on. Um, but that's not, that's not also uh, a given that it needs to stay that way. All it means, and this is what I constantly tell people, is all it means is that if you're starting to notice symptoms as you get older, it just means you might have to just do a little bit more in terms of effort mm -hmm. to maintain sure. the good health that you had. Yep. Yep. So that means maybe shifting over like what I had to do when I, um, you know, I've been a long distance runner for like 30 years up until I think I was 49, two years ago. And my chronic injuries got the better of me and I, I knew I had to make a change. Mm -hmm. And I made the decision, okay, I can't keep... Um, I can't keep really over, over running my body to death, literally, uh, over stressing my body to this degree because it was starting to develop degeneration in my hips, in right. my bones. Um, and, uh, I realized I had to make a change 
um, and I started weight training and that was two years ago and I thank God I actually now I'm very grateful for that injury that showed up that just wouldn't go away because it really helped me to shift that habit for me where I feel like I'm actually doing something now that's more conducive for my own health for the stage of life I'm in yeah. um, and it's actually it's perfect because now I feel very confident that I can still maintain, you know, a strong, you know, resilient body until who knows, as long as I just keep my, uh, you know, my weight training up, you know, and, and it's, it's not causing me a lot of stress, you know, it's actually decreasing that stress response in my body. Isn't that great when something goes away? Like I sprained a couple of muscles in my neck mm. a couple, a couple months ago. I thought, oh, here we go. This is going to be a couple months. But I did some things with it and massaged it and iced and everything. And usually, you know, it still takes a while. But then like maybe three days later, it was gone. I was like, oh, that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, so something like curcumin. Yeah can be very helpful for inflammation, but it's also not, um, the way that I always test these, you know, ask that question in terms of testing myself to see, do I need this to take this long-term is, how does your body react when you stop taking that supplement? Mm -hmm. If it goes back to its original state of maybe pain and inflammation, that telling me that this supplement is, what it's doing is acting like a Band-Aid. It's, it's helping you with those, right. you know, those uh, current symptoms, but it's not really fixing anything to, mm -hmm. like, like long term. So what can we do to reduce that inflammation long term? So that's where I go yeah. and, and, and trying to help. And I mean, these things are temporary. These are temporary measures that can actually help in, in the meantime, but they're not the end all be all. Um, right. And I always think yeah. of things at the cellular level, like exactly. in, inflammation of the cells is like a big reason why right. a lot of disease happens. Exactly. So if you're taking something like that, that, mm -hmm. that that's helping at that level, even a little bit, mm -hmm. because you, like you're saying, you're, you're, we're so exposed to toxins mm -hmm. and it's so hard to eat right. You really right. have to put some effort into it. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're called supplements for a reason. They're supplemental. Right? Supplemental to a good diet, yeah, you yeah. know, and sometimes if that good diet is not enough, then, then I could see yeah, that maybe we do need a little bit of help in that way. Like yeah. I, you know, there's certain supplements I take on a daily basis. Oh, which ones? Um, zinc is one just oh, because, this, yeah, yeah, zinc and, um, I do iron just every other day. Um, just because of, I do have a tendency to, uh, a little bit of uh, low iron in my system and it's because I don't eat red meat. Mm -hmm. So because I don't have that and then if you have red, if you have red meat in your diet, that supplies you with a good amount of iron every day. If you still have issues with, you know, iron and you're eating red meat every day, look, look more towards your digestion um, because it's not likely due to the fact that you're lacking in iron. It's, you know, there's some maldigestion likely happening. Um, so that always is a red flag for me if you're mm -hmm. a meat eater and you still have anemia. Yeah, um, yeah, that'd be a big There's something else. Yeah, something else going on there. There's, a, I mean, there's a lot of minerals that we get in our water, right? Mm -hmm. And um, there's one um, I actually drink every once in a while. It's a, a sparkling water, German. I forget the name of it. It's a long, big, long German name, but it supposedly has like all these minerals, magnesium and iron and stuff mm. like that. That most of the other uh, waters just don't have right yeah and i think a lot of people know that because it's almost always sold out okay yeah, yeah. okay I'm familiar with that. moving on to the next one msm mm, yes i take this one myself <clears throat> and that's kind of a older getting older kind of thing or no 
one? Uh, it can be. Uh, can also be if you're um, somebody who has a tendency to do activity that has a wear and tear sort of a pro, um, dynamic on your joints. Um, so for me, when I was a, a runner, I always had a, you know, a lot of wear and tear on my joints. Um, so, so this is mostly joint related? Joint related, yeah. It can help build up that, you know, that uh, fluid, synovial fluid in between your joints that can help cushion your joints. Yeah. Um, the chondroitin is a direct form of glucosamine, but unfortunately it's not very well absorbed. Um, so usually when you take in a glucosamine, it has to be in this, in, in a, say a glucosamine sulfate form, it has to be converted mm -hmm. in the body to its more active form, which is chondroitin. Um, but chondroitin taken as a supplement itself is not very well absorbed compared to glucosamine sulfate. Right. And there's different types of MSM mm -hmm. that you can buy, right? Some don't have that. Yeah. And sometimes you can buy MSM on its own. Mm -hmm. Um, from my understanding, MSM works, uh, or glucosamine and MSM both work better in concert with each other. So not in isolation. So if you take glucosamine on its own, uh, you're getting a better benefit if you actually take it in a supplement together with MSM, like in this form. Yeah, yeah. I did. I do yeah. a lot of research before I ever buy any vitamins. And yeah, that right. was, that's why I bought that one in particular. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I just like the name of this one. <laughs> yeah, CoQ10 is a good one as well. Um, again, this is one that as you get older, you have uh, CoQ10 if you take it as a supplement. Um, another one that, you know, needs that conversion into its active form in the body. As you get older, um, you can have lesser uh, ability to make that conversion. So I always recommend if you're past the age of 50 and you want to, you know, and people take CoQ10 for heart health, for cardiovascular right. health, really, really good for, you know, all those functions in the body. Um, I, I always recommend the ubiquinol form which is a much more, it's a more direct form of CoQ10. It's quite more expensive, mm. um, but it's well worth it, in my opinion, um, because you're not sure if you're just taking this, you know, standard form of CoQ10, how, if that conversion will actually be made in your body if you're older. If you're younger, I wouldn't really worry too much about it, but um, there, that's one of the functions that, you know, kind of slows down as you get older. Um, in your body, which is why, you know, you have to kind of be choose a little bit choosier as to what form. It's not just going into a store and saying, okay, well, my doctor says I need this right, and just right. take whatever, you know, um, low quality vitamin, you know, in it's poorly absorbed form. You know, it's a really good idea to talk to somebody who works there who might have some knowledge and hopefully, you know, like, Hopefully you'll be in contact with somebody like, you know, me or like you. Uh, my coworker who we're both registered nutritionists and we know a little bit more about, um, uh, have a little bit more knowledge about nutrition where we can actually um, give you a little bit better advice <laughs> for these things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can remember when vitamin stores were like an exotic thing back in Michigan where I grew up in the 70s and 80s. There was one in mm. like a five mile radius. Right. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I had a great aunt who was a vegetarian and and just into uh, reflexology, all these things. Like I'd go to her house, and she'd open up the door. She had like clothespins on her fingertips. 
<laughs> but she was going to the health food store and yeah. and uh you know it was mostly it seemed like a, a lot of little old ladies in there you yeah know? <laughs> yeah now you find them in pretty much in any any yeah. town even small towns yeah we have like two basically here, yeah in right? our little town yeah <laughs> i still think of it as a little town compared to where i was yeah absolutely. <laughs> so here's one that, that kind of goes to your uh, political background with the Oh. Helps defend against free radicals. <laughs> Alpha lipoic acid. Right. Yeah. So what what are free radicals? What is what's that concept there? So those are pretty much like unstable molecules that can um, occur in the body when you're taking in a lot of um, um, what we like to call them. Um, what's the word? For example, we take in foods that have. Uh, What's that uh, fat? Trans fats. Okay. Trans fats, which are basically fats that have been chemically altered to um, make them from make them from their natural um, liquid state into a solid form. Is that what the trans means? They've been transformed. Transformed, literally. Okay. Yeah. So it's a chemical process, and it actually. Um, yeah, it makes, say, vegetable oils into a solid, which is why you get something like margarine. Um, it's not natural whatsoever in, you know, all those decades of, you know, the B cell, heart healthy is a complete fallacy and actually coincides with an increase in heart, heart disease, and, uh, funny enough, which is not really funny, but um, they, a lot of these uh, tests that they did in terms of, you know, really keeping an eye on um, uh, these kinds of levels of uh, disease states uh, increasing and decreasing in certain periods of time and sort of the trends that were occurring around that time. This is what they found when there was that big, I think it was even back in the 70s where there was a 70s or 80s where all of a sudden, you know, fat was the enemy and, right, right. you know, or animal fat was the enemy. And so you have to start having everything, you know, vegetable oil. So the Crisco came out and, right. you know, all the margarines came out. And, and we ate margarine like all the time. I, I think yeah. it was actually cheaper than butter. That was probably right. part of and the it deal. Was, and it was, you know, told to us that it was a healthier version. And actually now we're finding out um, a few decades too late, I think, in my opinion, but <laughs> that it was actually not, not, not true at all. Yeah. And trans fats, they're yeah. practically against the law. I mean, you can buy magic mushrooms, but you can't Pretty much. get anything with trans fat. It's really crazy. Times have changed. Times. <laughs> so free radicals are, uh, uh, unstable molecules that if you can imagine, it's like, um, just molecules running around, are your body running around and just smashing into each other really? and smashing literally. into other cells, literally. Yeah. And, and they really um, create a lot of inflammation, create a lot of damage in the body. Mm. Um, so this is where we bring in antioxidants. And antioxidants are things, you know, they're naturally substances naturally found in foods, like colorful vegetables, especially in fruits. Right, right. Um, deep, vitamin deep C, colors, yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, so all these, you know, foods that, you know, we hear about a lot that are antioxidant and uh, really good for you, um, that's what they do. They actually help to quash those um the the dynamics and the 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 damage that these free radicals cause so that's something to take regularly regardless of your uh, diet i this is one i would not necessarily recommend for the general public okay um some people can be quite sensitive to it it is quite a potent antioxidant um so i generally don't really recommend 
alpha lipoic acid unless you really have some acute uh, detoxification issues that are needing addressing. Okay. Um, not something standard in terms of like a, uh, a base of nutrients that everybody should be taking. Um, I don't, I don't, I mean, there's no, I don't think that there's, I'm not saying that there's harm in it, but this is not, this is more the one I use more in a therapeutic, in a therapeutic way. When something's wrong. When, yeah, when something is needing a little bit of assistance in that area, um, yeah. maybe in the immune system, maybe um, somebody who's uh, exposed to a lot of toxins and, mm -hmm. and who needs a little help, help with really moving things out. Um, clearing those detox pathways a little uh, bit. I would think if you live in a city with a lot of cars and pollution, that you would qualify. It really depends on the person. Yeah. Um, you know, this is where, you know, we have to look at each person and each person's body very individually. Mm -hmm. So you can have two people living in the same environment and their bodies are going to really be resilient in so different in so many different ways. That's true. Um, yeah. So one person can come out completely fine and the other person can be riddled with all sorts of, you know, um, imbalances and maybe even disease states, um, even cancers, you know, and it really depends on your habits. It depends, you know, on a smaller amount in your genetics, yeah. but also your lifestyle and, you know, your, you know, the way that you hold yourself emotionally, all those things come into play. I always like they have, you know, the, the 105 year old lady from France who's smoking cigars and yeah. <laughs> drinking a pound of wine every day. Yeah. And, and people look at that and go, well, I should do that. Exactly. Thing, but no, your yeah. body is, is really different. Yeah. And totally. so who knows what kind of habits that person has had for decades that is in your life their lifestyle their emotional state is very different from yours yeah so it, it's not about just copying their lifestyle and thinking you're going to come out the same way at all because we're all biochemically different yeah right our bodies are very different and diverse in that way which makes it's a beautiful thing but this is something we really need to remember it's not a one-size-fits-all for anybody right. at all yeah. ever yeah yeah, yeah.